This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode 235. This episode is brought to you by All About Spelling. Listen, we have gone through so many spelling programs in our homeschool because it was just a struggle to find something that really clicked. Something that really clicked with all my kids, but especially my kid with dyslexia. And when we finally landed on All About Spelling, it was like a breath of fresh air. We could finally relax. It's so user-friendly, open and go, easy to use, easy to use at your own pace. And it works for all my kids. And we're still using it now with our youngest who is in fifth grade, but she's doing so well. She's actually in level six spelling. So she takes a lot of a lot of uh, sense of accomplishment in that. But it's because it's an awesome program and you can go at your own child's pace and not feel like you're bogged down with busy work and spelling worksheets and all of that stuff. So if you are looking for a spelling curriculum that actually works and that doesn't take forever to complete every day, definitely check out All About Spelling. You can use my referral code at 41more.com forward slash spelling. Welcome to episode 235. You can find the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 235. Today, we're talking about reevaluating priorities. And I want to dive into a question I saw posted on Facebook I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe. I thought it was a really good question and it made me really think about priorities and how they change through the years as you're homeschooling. What's important at the beginning might not be really what's important toward the end. So let me read the question and then I will dive into some of the thoughts that I wanted to share with you today. So this was posted on social media. Someone said, here's a question for moms who have completed their homeschool journey or are nearing completion. What are some of the things that you thought were very important in the beginning years of homeschooling that you now realize were not that important and things that you paid less attention to that you now wish you had focused on? I thought this was really wise. And I would have loved to ask this of someone, you know, 10 or 15 years ago when we were just starting out. Um, Hey, what's your answer to this? I think it is really good to hear from people who have been there, done that. Now, we're not totally done. We've graduated three out of five but we're getting there. And I think the more you have homeschooled through kindergarten through 12th grade with some of your kids, you're going to, you're going to see this in your own experience too, that, you know, what you thought was super important at the beginning is not necessarily, it's kind of like with parenting too. Um, I think of some of my friends who have, you know, several kids. Now we were joking last night after church about, you know, how, When you have just one child, it's a certain way and you're really, you know, a careful parent. By the time the third kid comes along, you're just, you know, you're, you're not so careful, right? We kind of get a little more relaxed. I think homeschooling can be that way too. And your priorities tend to crystallize and you start to see things, what's really important, what's not really important. So 
I think it is, it is a good thing to continually go back to your why, continually go back. What's your vision? What's your goal? What's your, what do you hope to accomplish with homeschooling? So we do often start with some sort of vision or a set of ideals or maybe a list of must haves, but then we figure out what really is necessary. So as I was thinking through this question, I mean, there's a million different directions I could go. But I thought as an older mom talking to younger moms out there who are just starting with their younger kids, I thought I'd, I'd narrow down to one of those topics because I probably could talk about a dozen different things that, if, that we've made changes with as far as priorities. But let me dive into more for you younger moms who are starting out um, and give you some encouragement along those lines. So here's what I realized after years and years of homeschooling that at the beginning I thought were important, but I realized they really weren't. So if you've ever looked in those homeschool catalogs or online, I mean, when you're homeschooling a kindergartner, you could be spending $600 buying all the bells and whistles of this kindergarten curriculum, you know, kindergarten program that's going to just be amazing. And I didn't go out and do anything of the sort, but I did kind of feel like I needed some kind of curriculum. I felt like I needed a bit of structure, a bit of bookwork, a bit of textbooky stuff. And it, while it's true you need some path forward, you don't necessarily just want to wing it. You can create it very well from coming up with your main objectives, keeping your kids curious, and keeping them interested in learning. So you don't really need that big, fancy box full of kindergarten curriculum. Um, Yes, you're probably going to want some type of math resource or curriculum, but again, it doesn't have to be super extensive or fancy. Figure out how you're going to teach them how to read. You might not need a really official reading curriculum. You might just get Bob books. I was talking to another friend about Bob books recently. Those things are amazing and kids can learn to read with those. Maybe all about reading. We mentioned all about spelling as our sponsor to today's episode, but all about reading is another amazing program that's very low key, easy to use, doesn't have a million workbooks and million things to do. Like it's just super simple. You might just purchase the book, Ordinary Parents Guide to Teaching Reading, and you just walk through it. They tell you exactly how to teach your child. They script out the lessons. See, it doesn't have to be this really expensive, fancy, uh, formal curriculum, especially for kindergarten, right? But I guess the thing I wasn't realizing, and you know, I went to school to be a teacher. I taught middle school. So kindergarten was a little bit not really my, not really my thing, but I guess I was still too much in that traditional kindergarten zone, but realize that reading and math are your core. I mean, this is good for kindergarten, first, second, third. I mean, it's, that is your core, right? Reading and math, because if your kids can read, if they know their math, I mean, then that's going to branch out into history and science, and they're going to be able to pick all those up too. But especially when they're young, reading and math are your core, And you want to definitely hit those every day. But then all the other subjects that you could list, social studies, science, foreign language, Bible, art, music, um, you know, hands-on stuff. What am I missing? All that kind of stuff can be fun, hands-on, interest-driven, living book focused, and they don't even have to be every day. And so I wished I would have been a little more relaxed when I was starting to teach my oldest kindergarten. I was probably a little too uptight, thinking it had to be 
pretty formal. Another aspect of the younger years, um, I also felt like I had to get a reading program from a well-known big box publisher, right? So I spent all this money on their official reading book and the workbook and the teacher's book and all this. Honestly, my kids hated it. They were never reading actual books. They were reading excerpts all the time from books. And I thought, oh, this is just, this is just terrible. And I didn't need it. And I learned over time, trial and error, I just need to encourage them to learn to love reading by just letting them read. Let them read books they enjoy. Of course, you're going to still work on phonics lessons, but reading doesn't have to mean using a bunch of worksheets. Um, There's a really great book that I wish I would have read years ago also called The Book Whisperer. Um, I think her name is Donalyn Miller is the author. She's a public school teacher, but what she says in there is very applicable to a homeschool context too. And I think if you're struggling with your kids and figuring out a reading resource, you know, a reading plan for them and helping them learn to love reading, I think you'll love the book, um, the book whisper. I think you'll love that book. Another aspect of this at the young ages, when we were starting, in addition to not feeling like I needed a formal curriculum and a reading program, I wish we would have embraced narration even more than we did. Now, we use narration a lot for history. So we would read lessons from Mystery of History. We would add the little figure to our humongous timeline, and the kids would narrate because I, there's no point in the younger years having them fill out worksheets and like just writing a whole lot. Um And so we did do a lot of narration, but I wish I would have done it even more. And if you want to learn about this, I also did some podcast episodes on the art of narration. And this is a book by Karen Glass that you will love. But if you don't know what narration is and you're not using it in your homeschool, I would definitely take a look. If you go to my site, 41more.com, and you find the search bar and you type in narration, you'll find all our resources along those lines. So those are some of the things I wish I wouldn't have done. The formal curriculum, the formal reading program, you know, and all that kind of too structured. But there are things I'm glad we did. So I was thinking, you know, there's always something good and you can always be thankful for something that you didn't mess up on maybe. And there are things that I'm really glad that we did that I want to encourage you with, especially if you're a new homeschool mom and you're starting out or you have lots of littles. I'm really glad we did short time for formal lessons. I'm really glad we didn't spend eight to three at the table doing school. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I had four boys under the age of five. So when we started homeschooling our oldest, you know, I had a, I don't know exact ages at the time. It must've been a four-year-old, two and a half-year-old and a baby. There's no way I'm going to spend six hours homeschooling my kindergartner, right? They were short, 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 short lessons for many years. So definitely if you're having a hard time with homeschool, analyze if your lessons are too drawn out. Are they too long? Are they too boring? Just do a short time for lessons. Another thing we did with four boys, lots of playtime inside and outside. I would send them outside all the time and they would dig holes to China in the backyard under the trees and it was fine. So like go for that lots of playtime outside or inside. If you can find a co-op to join those are great for doing those things you can't do on your own really well, right? So like spelling bee, gym class, we had one that did a history project fair every year. So there was something to look forward to outside accountability, a group of friends all doing 
project presentations. We would do things with our co-op. And I think that was a really fun uh, group to participate with. Another thing I'm really glad we did was teach multiple ages together with pretty much every subject except the core, except the reading and math. We did history, science, music, Bible, art, all of it, all of it together. And that is the only way I kept my sanity for so many years homeschooling four different levels of kids. And that's the way you make homeschooling work. You're like a one-room schoolhouse. History doesn't have to be third grade history, fourth grade history. I mean, just learn the history. And your older kids, you expect more out of them. And your younger kids, you know they're not going to grasp it all. But that's just, that's just what you do. But you're still doing the same topic. Makes it so much easier. Another thing I'm really glad we did were lots of read-alouds at bedtime. We saved our read-alouds for bedtime because our boys for many years were kind of like bunked in one big room. It was like a boy dorm room in like two sets of bunk beds. And so that was a really helpful time to do read-alouds. And we did so many of the great classic ones, all the Narnia books, Hardy Boys, Little House on the Prairie, like just all of them. And that was a really excellent time to calm them down for the for the night and do read-alouds. That's when we decided to do it. But you could do it after lunch or while they're eating lunch or in the morning or whenever, but do a lot of read-alouds. It's a great opportunity to get all that, all those great plot lines and exciting literature in their heads. And it's an excellent thing for them to learn to listen and imagine the story in their head. And it helps teach an attention span too, doesn't it? Because if you are having to listen to something for uh, 30 minutes or even longer, that really does help your attention span as a kid. And then I'll just leave you with one last little encouragement. And this goes along with a recent episode we did on strewing, but I'm glad we did a lot of strewing. So having this just huge world map or US map on the wall where the kids would just be drawn in naturally and just like, look at where are things in the world? And they would just pick up information. I wasn't sitting there teaching them a formal geography lesson, but they just learned it. Or super fun things we found one time at the thrift store. I talked about this in my episode on strewing was like this big box of animal cards. I mean, hundreds of animal cards with hundreds of animals where they live in the world, facts about them, a picture. I mean, my kids just spent so much time organizing them, looking at them, categorizing them, like little things like that, strewing, um, you know, activities for them to do or things for them to do outside, just putting out interesting things. It's going to capture their attention and help them learn to love learning, keep them curious, right? So those are just some of the things that popped into my head I thought might be an encouragement for you younger moms who are starting out. Don't feel caught up in the formal curriculum. This has to look like school, right? That's a surefire way to burn yourself out, make your kids hate homeschooling, and you have to make it work with your family. If you have lots of littles and babies, you can still homeschool in a very gentle way. It doesn't have to take you all day. Your kids are getting so much more effective instruction from you in short lessons than they would even sitting in a formal traditional classroom for six hours a day. Those are some of the things I would say that I've learned over the years. And if you think it would be helpful to share more about different 
um, ages and stages in my homeschooling, let me know. And I will think about sharing another episode on that. But for now, I hope this encouraged you a little bit. Definitely um, check out our sponsor, All About Spelling at 41more.com forward slash spelling if you've been struggling to find a spelling curriculum that really works for your family. I'll be back next week with another actionable episode. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.